Welcome, welcome, welcome to part four of our series, The Evil Around Us. My name is Dee Bowers from Exposing Truth Ministries in Houston, Texas. Our ministry's mission is to expose the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. This episode that we're getting ready to talk about is titled, The Origin of Satan's Demons. In episodes one through three, we expose the myths about Satan and the spiritual realm. In this episode, I want to discuss other false doctrine that was formulated many centuries ago about the origin of demons. In order to present this truth, we must first review and analyze scripture that has been accepted for centuries. I also ask that you listen to parts one, two, and three of this series to provide foundation and continuity. For many of you, this will probably be the first time you have ever been told about the efforts to hide and deny the story behind the origin of demons. I'm sure most of you have heard about Satan's fall from heaven. There is a passage in Revelation that describes the fall of Satan with one third of the angels in heaven. Revelation is a book written in poetry and symbolic language that explains a prophetic dream of one of Jesus' apostles about end times or the time Jesus returns. Maybe some of the prophecies in the book have happened, but if you ask 10 different theologians what a particular scripture means in this book, maybe two of the people will agree. People have used this passage to pinpoint in the Bible the fall of Satan and to explain the origin of demons. These teachers claim that the one-third angels that fell from heaven are the demons that attack mankind. The passage is about a war in heaven between the archangel Michael and Satan. Satan lost the battle and was thrown to earth with one third of the stars or angels. We have been taught that Satan fell because of his pride and wanting to be like God. But scripture does not say why he was put out of heaven, nor why one third of the angels would follow him. What the scripture does say about the event is, for the devil has come down to earth in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Angels were created to worship and glorify God. There is no text to explain why they decided to go with Satan. And there is absolutely nowhere in the Bible that says these one third angels became demons. The passage in Revelation states that the fall to earth by Satan happened or will happen when it is time for him to be locked up. I do not believe that this event has happened with Satan and one third of his angels falling. But people use it to explain what they consider a missing piece of information about Satan and where his demons came from. In episode two of this series, Who is Satan? We discuss the false doctrine surrounding Satan and how it has been used to create an unbiblical persona for this creature. The false doctrine developed in the Old Testament helps to solidify and immortalize the doctrine of the fall described in the New Testament. Using the opinion of people, not the Bible, doctrine has been created and passed down from generation to generation. People can recite a fall of Satan and his angels, 
but know absolutely nothing about the Lord locking up angels until the return of Jesus. We have angels that are banned from heaven and are locked away because they were like those people that inhabited Sodom and Gomorrah. For those that do not know about Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a notorious sinful city in the biblical days of Genesis, destroyed by sulfur and fire because of their wickedness. The event and incitement of their punishment happened during the time of Noah and the flood, and of course had nothing to do with the fall of one-third angels. For those that do not know the story of Noah, read Genesis 6 of the Old Testament. So why aren't we told about this fall during the days of Noah? Because the entire story is not told in the Bible, and the church fathers felt they could keep it hidden. The scripture that details this event is in other sacred books that were not allowed in our Bible. Our Christian fathers, who decided what we should be able to read and how to interpret it, fought for centuries over how to explain the truth or how to make truth heresy. Heresy won because they did not want people to know the truth. But in doing so, they felt that scripture had to be explained to agree with the narrative they had decided to teach. Our books were chosen by a group of men that considered them authentic. Many of our authentic books were in question centuries ago because they referenced the event the Christian fathers wanted to hide. So what was so taboo or unsanctioned for the church to go through so much effort to hide the truth? Here it is. Demonic spirits are the product of angels from heaven and earthly women. The church leaders knew in the third century that there was more to the story of fallen angels. They had holy books that had not been fully translated that answered many questions related to ambiguous texts in the books that they sanctioned. The untranslated books explain where the spirits that have corrupted our souls came from and why they will plague mankind until Jesus returns. The New Testament of the Bible warns us about the evil that lives among us, but yet we reject its warnings. The Apostle Paul explains exactly what we struggle with, but because of the lies we have been taught, we disregard his warnings and continue to lose our battles with Satan. I'm going to read what Paul says in Ephesians 6, and I really want you to let this sink in. This is what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I don't know what that says to you, but I'm going to tell you what it says to me. We are not fighting human beings. We are in battle with evil spiritual forces, plural by the way, meaning more than one. When Paul uses the word our, he is talking about all of mankind, not just unbelievers. There are some people that agree 
we have a spiritual realm of evil, but because they are Christians, they really and truly believe they are not affected. This is an example of how people pick and choose what they want to believe and accept from the Bible. This is unbelievable about Christians not being affected. I only minister deliverance to Christians because without Jesus, there is no deliverance. My work in deliverance has gained me and my ministers knowledge that most people will never obtain. I was once told that Paul, when he put that scripture down, was discussing evil governments in that passage because it used the word authorities. But if you read it, what it says is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our government is not in the heavenly realms. All the statements and warnings in scripture are true and we must all heed them. Before I get into the weeds, I would like to remind you of what the Bible says about angels. That we have accepted without debate. Okay. I'm sure many of you have heard people comment that we should be careful how we treat people because you may very well be speaking to an angel. That's because there is a scripture stating such in Hebrews 13. From this statement alone, we know that angels can look just like people. In Genesis, three angels appeared to Abraham in human form to speak to him about having a child with Sarah, even though they felt they were too old to have children. She was past the childbearing age. In the Bible, there was the angel with whom wrestled with um, the biblical hero Jacob. People call this incident where Jacob was crippled as a symbolic struggle with God. God wanted to use Jacob, but he could not do so until Jacob admitted to his weakness of self-reliance, deceit, and trickery. When Jacob refused to surrender to God, the Lord touched Jacob's hip, forcing the young man to surrender and submit to God. His opponent is referenced as a man, but called an angel throughout scripture. Remember the angels who came to Sin City for Lot? They had to actually be locked inside of Lot's home in order to protect them from a sexual assault from the townspeople. These angels looked just like men. Then we have Mary Madeline who went to the tomb of Jesus. She was looking for Jesus and she ran across the two angels in human form. And lastly, I want to mention Peter. When he was imprisoned, he was in jail. An angel came to visit Peter, removed his chains, and led him to the street. I felt it would be necessary to go through scripture where we can see angels had transformed themselves into human form. We need to accept this fact. Angels can change their body forms to look like people in different sizes and shapes. I also want to make sure we understand that the books in the Bible were selected by our church fathers and each book went through strict criteria before the books were allowed in the Bible. 
The debate over the books went on for centuries. Some books were considered apocrypha, meaning not inspired by God. And other books were considered pseudopigrapha, meaning not written by the person that was supposed to have written it. I believe that the Bible is the inherent and inspired word of God, but the Holy Spirit did not decide what books would be in our Bible. If so, wouldn't all the Bibles we have have the same number of books? The Protestant Bible has 66 or 80, depending on what version you're looking at. The Catholic Bible has 73 books, seven of those that the Protestants removed. The point I'm trying to make is, depending on the Christian leaders, books were tossed aside, categorized as not inspired by God, or labeled unknown author. Other countries have additional books in their Bibles that we don't even carry in the English versions of our canons. You know, if it was the Holy Spirit that selected what books should be in our Bible, I believe that every country would have the same books in their Bibles or their canons. I have a close friend that stated to me that God would make sure all of his word would be in the Bible and would not allow people to pick and choose what could be read. But when I shared with him how the Bibles differed depending on denomination, he just gave me a real puzzled look. My response is and was, God's word will be revealed. It is our job to seek his word and discern the text. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in the weeds. There are two books that explain the origin of demons. And both Enoch and Jubilees were denied as part of our Bible. I will only discuss the book of Enoch because it has parallel verses that are in our Bible. If you ever decide to research the archives of Christianity's early fathers, you will understand the difficulty they had ignoring what was written by the writers of these books. The book of Enoch explains the fall of the watchers or a certain group of angels that were called watchers. And how God condemned them for their sin. This book was debated for centuries before being denounced, banned, and cursed. It was banned in most countries except Ethiopia. What adds to the authenticity of the book is the fact that it was found in the Qumran caves with other ancient Jewish religious manuscripts. And all of these manuscripts were revered by the Jews. Also, Enoch was known by the Jews and Jesus because there is about a hundred passages Jesus used in the New Testament that are also in the book of Enoch. One question I had is why were these angels called watchers? Well, I don't know for sure, but another book, the book of Jubilees, It says that the watchers were angels stationed on earth by God to watch over his people, sort of like custodians. 
With the church banning Enoch, it meant that all references to it from our accepted Bible sources had to be eliminated or explained. So what happened was first and second Peter and Jude were pulled out of the Bible at times because they contained scripture that referred to the events mentioned in the book of Enoch. A lot of effort and development of false doctrine was developed in order to explain this connection in Genesis to Enoch and to allow first and second Peter and Jude to remain in the Bible. Now that I have established the history behind this book, Enoch, let's explain what the Christian fathers did not want us to know. As you listen or read this passage, remember that the Christian fathers developed an explanation that is still being taught. There is a passage in Genesis that connects it to Enoch. First, I'm going to read Genesis, and then I'm going to read the passage in Enoch that pretty much explains the same scenario. By the way, Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah, and Noah and his family were the ones that were saved on the ark. Enoch never died. One day, he just walked off with God and never returned. Okay, let's read Genesis 6. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of all men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Paraphrase, this is what Genesis says. There were Nephilims on earth in those days. The sons of God had sex with the women. God said the earth had become wicked. God was not pleased. God said he would blot out men and every creature on earth. God decided one man was favored and his name was Noah. Now for the passage in Enoch. Don't forget now, people will say, don't believe anything it says because the book of Enoch was banned, even though Jesus quoted from it. But listen to this closely because it is hard to digest unless you have an open mind. This is what Enoch says about the incident. The earth had been populated with many beautiful women. The sons of God saw that the women were beautiful and took them as wives for themselves. Now remember, we discussed how angels can change their body form as noted in scripture. Okay. The sons of God chose 
whichever ones they desired. When the sons of God had sex with the beautiful women of man, they had children. Their offspring were called Nephilims or powerful giants. These giants were taking over the earth and the people. These were strong, big, hybrid offspring. God saw this evil and the evil in the hearts of all men. He was sorry it had come to this. So he decided he would blot out every man whom he had created, including animals and the birds, all except for Noah and his family. This is the detailed version in Enoch, which matched the summary version in our Bible, Genesis 6, 1 through 8. The usage of the phrase son of God, instead of using the word angels, allowed for this passage in Genesis to be misinterpreted by our Christian fathers. Let me explain how the church decided to explain the Genesis passage. Remember, they decided to hide Enoch that explains the detail of Genesis. But there were four issues or questions that had to be explained in the Genesis passage in order for them to pull off this deception. Okay, now this is what the church decided to teach and ignore. The first point is, how did the church explain who the Nephilim were? All it said was that they were a group of mysterious beings or people of unusual large size and strength who lived before and after the flood. The church did not explain where they came from. What is also interesting is Enoch was written before Genesis and both books called these mysterious giants Nephilims. The second point is, who were the sons of God? This was difficult because in the Old Testament, the sons of God always were angels. But the church decided in this case, they would say that the sons of God would be the descendants of Seth. Seth was Adam's third son and was considered the godly one. This false doctrine was accepted because in the New Testament, sons of God was also used to refer to some godly men. Number three, who were the daughters of men? Although the Bible did not say daughters of Cain, the church decided the daughters of men would be from the line of Cain. Here again, people are inserting statements in the Bible by creating false doctrine. Remember, Cain killed his brother Abel. So I guess they thought all the female descendants of Cain could be considered evil. They decided to use the daughters of Cain as the daughters that had sex with the sons of God. Because Cain was considered evil and people would accept God destroying the earth because he did not want holy men with evil women. Given that no other explanation was taught, people accepted this. Number four, 
The passage says God wanted to blot out mankind and destroy mankind with the flood. That's pretty drastic. But why? Why would God destroy mankind just because the Seth men produce babies with Cain daughters? Now listen, this is pretty good. The church said God destroyed man because the good sons of Seth married the bad daughters of Cain. They gave no reasonable explanation of why these unions even produce giants. More important than the lack of explanation, nowhere does God call Cain's females subhuman or more sinful than others. This is pure nonsense. And number five, at no time before the flood or after has God destroyed or threatened to destroy the human race for the sin of mixed family marriages. If so, he should have destroyed the human race many times over. Throughout the Bible, the line of Seth or the line of Jesus married with women and, ha- and produced babies from the line of Ham. The distinction made in Genesis 6 is not between the descendants of Seth and the descendants of Cain, but between the sons of God and the daughters of men, meaning angels and humans, as we read in Enoch. Let's give a little bit more thought to the church's explanation. So what this doctrine is really saying is that it was okay for the women in the line of Seth to marry the men in the line of Cain, but the men of Seth could not marry the women of Cain. This makes absolutely no sense. If God was trying to protect the line of Seth from evil genes, he would have considered the men and the women. I am sure many people question this logic, but they still stuck with it. And also, something else to consider. When God decided to destroy the human race, he found only one godly family among them, and that was Noah. If Seth's sons were so holy, why weren't the other sons of Seth be saved with Noah? Let me say that again, just in case it went over your head. If God wanted to save the sons of Seth because they were godly, why weren't they all put on the ship with Noah? Before I share what God did to to the rebellious angels that made it with the women, I want to point out the passages in other books of our Bible that were almost eliminated because they referenced the angels that went rogue or it was felt that the scripture supported the book of Enoch. There are three New Testament passages that shed further light on Genesis 6. These verses indicate that at some point in time, a number of angels fell from their pristine state and proceeded to commit a sexual sin that was both unusual and repugnant. I won't go over those scriptures, but I ask that you read Jude 1, 6 through 7, 2 Peter 2, 
4 through 7 and 1 Peter 3 to 20. Big question. How did the church get away with this? I have an answer. Because we don't read and study the Bible for ourselves. We listen to others to provide our knowledge. The church is still able to misinterpret this event because the book which describes it in detail was thrown out and considered heresy. But you know what? God's word will not be destroyed. This book of Enoch can be found on the internet and purchased in bookstores. Despite all the disagreements concerning this book, we know that Christians once accepted the words of this book of Enoch as authentic. I am not promoting all religious books that are considered apocrypha to be read and believed, but based on my experience as a deliverance ministry, I believe the words spoken in Enoch concerning the fallen angels is the word of God. It is amazing to me how people have approved this doctrine surrounding Satan without any biblical text to support their beliefs. We have exposed the true fallen angels, but guess what? The plot thickens. These angels made it with women and produced offspring that were not human, and they were a threat to humanity. It may read like a science fiction novel, but the outcome is a reality that we live with every day. As we move forward in this series, we will learn more about Satan's strategies, his army, and how to win our battles and claim victory. Stay tuned as our next episode is a continuation of the fallen angels and their evil offspring. If you would like to receive teachings, emails, and notifications, subscribe, like us, or go to our website at www.exposingtruth.org. We also ask that you support this ministry so that we can continue to teach the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. Stay awake and informed, and again, keep us alive. This is Pastor D. Bowers with Exposing Truth Ministry.